0: Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Go behind the wheel, under the hood, and beyond with Car Stuff from
1: HowStuffWorks.com.
2: Hi everybody, welcome to the podcast. I'm Scott Benjamin and I'm Ben Boland. Ben, we've got a uh, topic today that is again train related. Yeah, we're on the train train. I guess, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess we are. I worked on that one. Today I want to talk about, um, well, actually, you know, you mentioned this, but, but yeah. today we are going to talk about, um, tank engines. Now, this to me, I'll, I'll be honest. When you first said we wanted, we should talk
3: about tank engines, mm-hmm. I was thinking, military tanks. Oh like a uh, Abrams M1 or something. Yeah, yeah, not the case, right? No, not the case at all, which is something we could uh we could both be forgiven for assuming. Um it is not an abrams tank not the military hardware instead this uh tank in tank engine refers to something more like a water tank
2: yeah steam locomotive really Mm -hmm. i mean every one of these that we're going to talk about is a steam locomotive because um well you know because of the characteristics of a tank right so we've uh, we have to i guess um determine what makes a, a tank locomotive different from a standard steam locomotive right Great
3: point, and we can start with a children's story. We can start with uh, Thomas the Tank Engine, right? Yeah, it seems it seems so elementary, but that's what we're going to do, right? Yeah, so uh, Thomas the Tank. If you if you notice uh, him and some of his friends, he's got other train buddies. He's got Edward, Henry, Gordon, and James, um, and these. Other trains all have coal cars, like a normal steam engine does, and we know that, uh, these sorts of locomotives, when we say a coal car, it's the car directly behind the actual locomotive, the engine, and, uh, this is where this holds the coal that is fed into the engine itself yeah that's called a tender mm-hmm. and a tender is uh
2: is again that that second smaller car that you often see or you always really see behind a steam engine um mm-hmm. that carries the fuel really so it's it could be wood it can be coal sure it could be oil that's uh, a really they, good point they could even carry spare water back there if they wanted to yeah now um that's what makes this uh, that's what makes a tank car or a tank engine, I guess. Or we can call it a tank locomotive if you want to. Yeah. Um, I like tank engine, I think. Um, yeah, I think it's more accurate. That's. Uh, I think that we should go to a tank engine. And uh,
3: and that's what makes these things different, right? Right. Thomas the tank engine has no coal car adjoining him. Instead, he has these large square tanks near or on either side of his uh, cylindrical boiler. Yeah, and it's funny that in a kid's show... There's this, it's pretty realistic, really,
2: in that, you know, he's, he's an accurate depiction of what a, what a tank engine would look like. So he's Thomas the Tank, obviously. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it's, it's, to me, I don't know why it is, but it's just funny that, that's, that they were accurate about that.
3: Right. It's a weird thing to, I, I mean, not for us to nitpick, but, no. uh, it's, it's strangely accurate. The, so this, these square tanks, um, that's what creates a tank engine because, unlike the other, uh, I almost said animals, unlike the other trains or locomotives, um, the tank engine here, Thomas, carries its own coal. Yeah, he's self-contained. He's self-contained.
2: Yeah, he carries his own coal and his own water. Right. Yes. Now the tanks. The tanks are the water tanks. Right. And those are those are the ones that are next to the boiler. And mm-hmm. that that you got to imagine that those are kind of preheating the water as well, right? Yeah. Um. And the the coal that Thomas would carry, and I promise we'll get off the Thomas thing in a moment. Yeah, but, we're almost done with Thomas. But. but the the coal that let's say thomas would carry would be in a small bin at the back like at the mm-hmm. at the rear of the train but not in its own separate car so in other words this thing is completely self-contained there's no additional mm-hmm. car behind him
3: and uh we'll get into some of the pros and cons of that as as well um but with the stats the the tanks might hold between A thousand to two thousand gallons of water. That's a huge amount of water. That's a lot of water.
2: That is a lot of water, but you know what? The thing is, that sounds like a lot of water, but in the the world of trains, uh, you know, steam engines and, you know, what they have to do, Mm -hmm. uh, that is not a a huge amount of water. In fact, um, I find that. Uh, these these tank engines have a sort of a limited range really. not not that you know it's extremely short, but mm. um, it's better suited to short journeys.
3: Yeah, these are definitely short haul steam engines. So this sort of implies the question that we should ask now, Scott, why on earth would somebody build one of these? what are, what, well, what what would be the reason well i mean i guess because they're they're very
2: agile you know they're able to be used within the the uh, the locomotive yard um mm, and okay. you know they can do uh, what they call shunting um you know when they they couple and uncouple you know cars and move them around the yard uh uh-huh. um they can handle short line travel mm-hmm. uh with you know like we said they're not very good for long distances right yeah um man i don't know it seems like there's uh There's gotta be other reasons, right? I mean, mean, it's kind of an, it's an efficient design, I suppose, in that, um, you know, it's, it's small, it's lightweight, it, uh, it, the the
3: weight is where it should be, right? Mm -hmm. And shunting, I think, is one of the big questions here because, or one of the big duties here, because this ability to be self-contained without a need for second adjoining car, uh, gives it a massive advantage in the train yard as a utility player. So when you need to shunt from different lines, when you need to uh, do some switching duties or just handle short lines, Mm -hmm. this is your go-to. Funny thing about tank engines, they're not very common in the United States, But they were very popular in England.
2: Yeah, you know what? I've got a a list here of benefits and and disadvantages that I want to cover in a moment, but Mm -hmm. um, which we'll go through. You know, maybe three or four different things for each. Um, But I think maybe we should talk about the different types of of tank locomotive because Mm -hmm. not all tank locomotives. Look like, uh, let's say Thomas the Tank. Good point, good um, point. They have different designs, and I bet, I bet that people have seen a lot of these and don't really know that they're all that different. Uh, they don't know that, you know, the, the six mm-hmm. different types, there's more than six, really. really. Right, right. Um, First, there are side tanks,
3: right? And that's that's the one that we originally mentioned. That's where the water is in two tanks on either side of the boiler.
2: Yeah, like great big rectangular tanks mm-hmm. that uh, that are kind of preheating the water. In every case, these are being preheated by the by yeah. the boiler. And the
3: and the uh, coal again is stored in a little container or bunker at the at the rear e- of the car. Exactly.
2: So that's a side tank. Now, there's also a, uh, a saddle tank, and, uh, and that's where the tank sits on top of the boiler like a saddle. Mm-hmm. And um, you know you could. Go online and find a photo of each one of these, if you like. But um, mm. the 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 saddle tank—I mean, it, it's it's almost like um, someone has has just laid the water tank across the top. It's got a right. uh, an inverted U shape, I guess, mm. that, that lays across the top of the boiler. Um, then there's the uh, what do you say, panier or? Pen, Penier tank. (laughs) I don't know.
3: Oh, let's go, Um, let's
2: go with Penier. Let's French it up. (laughs) Penier, okay, let's French it up, right? The, uh, the, uh, that's a box-shaped tank, uh, that's located on either side of the boiler. So, um, this one, this one's
3: really an unusual look. Yeah, this one, I know from the description that you guys are hearing, it sounds as though we're just re-describing um, we're re-describing the side tank, but it is different.
2: No, no, these are, these are up on high on the side, almost like yeah. they're, they're glued, they, not glued, welded to the side mm-hmm. of the, uh, the boiler. Um, and there's, there's space above it and below it. Um, kind of an, that's maybe one of the most unusual looking ones to me.
3: Yeah, for sure. Uh, there's another type, uh, the well tank. Yeah. And yeah. the well tank, I think is, is, uh, another, uh, another anomalous one in that the water supply is kept in a tank under the coal mm-hmm. instead of on the sides of the boiler.
2: Yeah. yeah, it's under, well, it's completely under, I think it's mm-hmm. in between the, uh, in between the frames, so mm-hmm. uh, center of gravity is really low on these, so it's really good. The water, of course, adds weight, so we'll find out later that that's that's helpful as well. Mm-hmm. Um then there's two more types, right? Yeah, two, well, no, I've got, uh, well, yeah, I guess two more official types, and then there's a, it's kind of a mix, but mm-hmm. um, there's a rear tank, uh, or they call it back tank, and obviously that's, um, you know, where the, the, Well, they're like wing tanks that are located on the sides... Uh, that run the length of the smoke box. And if you're wondering what a smoke box is, now, you know, this gets into the, all this, uh, this train jargon, but... Train terminology. Uh, exactly. Yeah. If you search for steam locomotive components, you can find out the details of that, but the smoke box is where all the hot gases that have passed, uh, from the firebox and through the boiler, that's where they collect. Mm-hmm. Um, so, th- that's, th- that's what the smoke box is, and that's where the, uh, the rear tanks, I guess, um, they run the entire length of that smoke box. Um, the next type or the last type, maybe the, the last specific type, um, are the inverted saddle tank. And uh, this is, what, a variation on the wing tank, uh, where two tanks were joined underneath the smoke box right. and, and supported that way.
1: Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry.
2: and the very last one is uh obviously it's there's a combination so you can have like a, a side tank well tank mm-hmm. um, you know so any combination of what you've got up here a saddle tank along with uh you know a well tank mm-hmm. um in any of those combinations of those that will work and i i think that it's just more a matter of space and how you want to use that engine what you want to do with that engine um and and usable space above above board like so you can you
3: know walk along the uh, the, the top edge mm-hmm. of it you can and, service yeah. it easily and how you want to distribute the weight because let's keep in mind with that last part the combination tank engine that means it's possible for instance to build a ring engine a ring tank where you've got an inverted saddle and a saddle <laughs> um but yeah, that would so. be uh yeah. to say the least that would be um a bit Difficult. It yeah. would be a bit less plausible. And
2: you know, we mentioned that they preheat the water, and that's that's beneficial in that it, it will boil faster, right? In that uh, you know that's that, that helps them out. You know, it's it's a little more efficient that way. Instead of having the uh, the water located in a uh, in a remote location and then brought up to the boiler uh, where it stays cool. You know, uh, these trains they take an enormous amount mm-hmm. of water. To operate. Yeah. I mean these steam trains. Now we said some of those tanks are like you know one or two thousand gallons. I would think that like maybe a well tank would
3: even be able to carry more than that. Right. Yeah. The um lots w- of space. we're talking about that that tank measurement. Um what well, I think that applies specifically to the uh side tank that we're talking about. Now I've got you want to talk about England for a second? Yeah, sure. I got some English stuff. Oh great. Okay. So we mentioned that these types of train engines were more common in England. Um, riddle me this, uh, why? I, you know? I, I have no idea. So, um, Why I, is it? I, I, thank you for asking. <laughs> <laughs> I heard tell, um, at least in Tennessee that's what we say, heard tell, mm-hmm. uh, that there was a difference in fuel that dictated the popularity of these vehicles um, during the time um, – during the the 30s uh the earlier british locomotives were using uh coke to power their uh, yeah yeah sure to power their locomotives um while russia and the united states were focusing more on wood and so this means that the wood takes up more space yeah i guess if you're carrying a wood car i mean you can imagine
2: that it's not stacked neatly and you know i'm, I'm sure it could be but yeah um you're not going to uh be, mostly when you see those wood cars left behind mm-hmm. it's it looks like something dumped the wood into into the bin it doesn't look like it's stacked neatly like you would cord wood or something and like and you that. need a lot of wood y- you need a
3: lot of wood to keep that thing going right but coal will burn a lot longer right yes and uh then uh some other so that's that's probably one of the primary factors for the popularity okay. difference. And then uh I wanted to talk about one of the earliest uh tank engines built, uh at least in England, uh was a saddle tank. And hmm. uh this there uh this was working in eighteen forty nine. Oh yeah, I should mention when I said during the thirties I meant 1830. Oh, eighteen thirty okay no problem.
2: <laughs> you know what that saddle tank idea makes perfect sense to me because that's more than likely a uh, a gravity fed system. And yeah. uh for the time, that probably made perfect sense. You know that you get the water up as high as possible it's still
3: being heated by the boiler. Mm-hmm. all that seems
2: to make perfect sense to me I, I get why that
3: would work and you can go on uh you can go on to a couple of forums, a couple of places online. And find some, as you mentioned, Scott, find some great photographs of the differing types of tank engines here.
2: Yeah, there are people that collect these things like, you know, like photos of, of trains, like people collect stamps or keep people mm-hmm. collect, you know, anything else. Um, you know, they they love to go out and see them. They love to go to um, historic train events and museums mm-hmm. and, um, you know, old old uh, tracks where, you know, historic trains have run or are still running. Um, oh, yeah, if there's a historic train um you know that's ever touring or you know yeah. making making one final run somewhere. Um that's when you know these train spotters, these uh these rail fans really come out. And uh and you'll see the you know every crossing, every uh every hillside foamers will be loaded. <laughs> yeah, foamers. They'll be loaded with uh with um you know people taking video, people, you know, still photography. Mm-hmm. Um just it's it's really quite an event for for somebody who's really into this hobby.
3: And you can't blame them because the history of of these trains, uh, especially in a lot of these tank engines, uh, dates to a time when there was not uniformity in gauge and probably not as much uniformity in design.
2: No, no, definitely not. It was kind of uh, anything goes at that point. If you can make a design that works... You know, fit it to whatever existing rail was in your area, right? And and that's good enough at that point, right? I mean, they didn't have to worry about uniformity across the entire continent, um, as as they do now. So um, okay, you know. Can we move on to uh, there, there are other types of tank locomotives now? Mm-hmm. Th- we talked about um, you know the the, the types of uh, tank locomotives and that you know there's side tanks, saddle tanks, etc. Right, right. But uh, some of these have specific tasks, I guess, and, that, and that's maybe the best way to say it. Oh, that's a great point. Um, yeah, there's things like like the the crane tank, and you know these could be any type. Like so, mm-hmm. so you could have a uh, a saddle tank that's a crane tank, or you could have a oh, yeah. uh, um, a well tank that's a saddle tank. Um, that's a, that's a crane tank, rather. Um, but the crane tanks, and I'm, I'm sure that people have probably seen these in, in, in old photographs, if nothing else, if not in museums. Um, but that's just basically a steam tank locomotive that has a crane fitted to it. And it's, it's a mobile crane, very useful in that, you know, they can work in railway workshops or industrial environments and in that, you know, they can move along the tracks and, and move other cars or move, uh, heavy goods, you know, to mm. and from trains on different tracks. And, um, it's just a very, very handy thing to have around. And because, um, you know, it's a tank locomotive, it's very small, very efficient, very, uh, very compact. Um, you know, the, these tank locomotives are just a great way to handle the, the, um, the duties of a crane tank, you know, the, something mm-hmm. that a crane tank would re- require. Um, Another type is a, a contractor's locomotive, and uh, this sounds really, really—it's a simple idea, but uh, they needed something really small. Let's say that you've got a, um, a like a civil engineering project that you're you're working on, um, you know, way out in the middle of nowhere. Okay. And uh, one thing that comes to mind—you you and I have both read the book uh, *Devil in the White City*, right? Yes. And you remember when they were building? um the uh the the fair the world's fair yeah right? yeah yeah they laid
3: temporary train tracks right mm-hmm, to bring in some of the materials that they would need to which build. sounds
2: absolutely amazing that they would build a train system a rail system mm-hmm. within the grounds of this fair in order to move things around but that's what they did um they might have used something called a contractor's locomotive in order to get around and that would be a, a tank locomotive that was small enough very very small very lightweight, uh, that was used for hauling men or equipment or building materials over over what they called temporary railway networks um, at the worksite. And a lot of times, you got to remember that um, those you know temporary tracks were were frequently picked up and then relayed somewhere else and they're on uneven mm-hmm. ground and yeah. they're kind of
3: shifty you know that's what gets me just the phrase temporary yeah. rail track <laughs> i mean the whole
2: idea behind um operating a contractor's locomotive to me sounds a little bit scary now they're they're built as light as possible so mm-hmm. that you know they don't uh, they don't sink in because you know these these rails are oftentimes uneven um you know the they, yeah. the the main fear here was that they would derail yeah, um, and, and I guess they often did so it's a plausible fear. Keep it as lightweight as possible so you're able to get that thing back on the tracks as easy as possible um, but you know a contractor's locomotive, that to me sounds like maybe one of the scariest rides here
1: Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to talk about and go through all the things that are sometimes difficult to process alone. We're going to go over how to regulate your emotions, diving deep into holistic personal development and just building your mindset to have a happier, healthier life. We're going Never forget, it's okay to cry, as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. and I look forward to getting on the air. I look forward to it. In these exciting times, we're looking to the math, the strategy and analytics, and the magic, the creative spark more than ever. Listen to Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts.
2: Yeah, yeah. I've got a couple of other types that I want to mention here. Yeah. Um, there's the, this is an interesting one. Uh, the fireless locomotive. Now this is really weird they carry and i had I'd never heard of this type before yeah um, break this down for it's me. a steam it's again it's a steam locomotive uh they carry their fuel which is steam in a reservoir and mm-hmm. so that's it's called a steam accumulator and the reservoir is filled from an external source uh with steam mm-hmm. and then some of these some of these locomotives are are also uh fueled by pressurized air but not steam so some are some are run via air, which I had no idea wow, was going on. Air
3: powered locomotives. Yeah, and
2: and not only that, I mean, I just think it's so odd to be able to carry steam in a compartment separate that you're not creating on board. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they're not really burning anything. They're not uh, they're not really um, keeping it. Uh, they're just using the steam as uh, almost like drawing it from a fuel tank to mm-hmm. use it. So they call it a fireless locomotive. I had never heard of anything like that.
3: Yeah, that is that is strange. I mean, I guess fireless
2: mm-hmm. locomotive would be an electric one, right? Oh, yeah. Yep. Maybe that would be it. But uh, but this is still steam powered, and, it, mm. and it's called fireless. Um, that is fascinating. And maybe two more types, Ben, and I'll just quickly mention them. Then we okay. Can, we can kind of wrap this up. I've got again benefits and you know disadvantages yeah, yeah. to go through, but um, there's also the steam tram engines, which are built to work on a street or. or uh, like any kind of tramway that's on the road mm-hmm. which I thought was unusual because usually we see those as electric or the type that are friction they grab the uh, the underground cable right yeah I'm um, making the motion like everybody can see it <laughs> um, and there's also something called a vertical boiler locomotive which is maybe the the strangest looking ones it looks like it has a pot on board um, with a with a smokestack at the top and a really really small small design square yeah. with two boxes on the end Um very, very small, kind of cheap machine to operate, but uh, mm-hmm. early, early design. And oh. uh, I think once you see one of these, you'd know exactly what they
3: are. I am so glad that you said that because I want to start, I want to kick off our list of pros and cons here. Mm-hmm. Uh, with one big pro, uh, it's cheaper to operate uh, hmm. one of these engines, at least for for the purposes they're using it, you know, within short runs, like 20 miles of shunting work or sure. whatever. yeah. yeah.
2: Very good. All right. So you want to uh, want to work on our pros first, uh, yeah. or do you
3: want to do disadvantages
2: first and then back it up with some of the positives?
3: Well, you know what? I'd probably jump the gun. We should probably do negatives first.
2: All right. Let's do that. We'll work on uh, the disadvantages first. So let's talk about um, limited fuel and water capacity. Now we kind of knew that. We've been hinting mm-hmm. that all along, mm-hmm. uh, but they carry far less. Um, I guess we'll call it fuel. Yeah, uh, the water and you know coal or whatever mm-hmm. happens to be, but they can they because of the size, um, you know, they
3: just don't have, they have the restriction that the ones that carry the additional tender don't have. Right, and again, this could vary because as we saw, that not all of these are uh, created with the same range mm-hmm. or same fuel capacity. Even. Sure. Okay, that's yeah, that's a huge disadvantage. All right,
2: the next one is um, they have varying what they call adhesive weight. Um, now, adhesive weight is you know when you've got weight above the drive wheels of these things. So, mm-hmm. um, you know when when you're in progress, when you're in transit, I guess you're using up. What's creating that adhesive weight? So, you know, you're using up the fuel, the water, the, uh, the coal, whatever it happens to be. It's mostly water in this case. So, um, as you travel, there's less and less weight above the drive wheels. And, uh, and that's a problem as well. Whereas with a standard locomotive, you know, if the weight is carried elsewhere, that mm-hmm. adhesive weight remains the same. So maybe there's more weight built into the engine to begin with. So it has greater traction. Um, but, you know, with these, it's, it's continually getting lighter and lighter and lighter. And until you refuel, it mm-hmm. doesn't, it doesn't come back.
3: Yeah. Yep. Yeah, that's a bummer, man. So, There's no way around that. So
2: a varying adhesive weight is the way they put right. that. Yeah. Um instability, that's another one. Sure. Um now if you got water that's uh, surging within the tanks, you know, it's kind of rocking around, um that can cause some problems with uh you know these, these, these are a lot smaller than some of the bigger locomotives, so um oftentimes they're prone to derailment in that case. Um not not always. I mean it has to be pretty dramatic for that to happen. Mm-hmm. But uh but it does. Um, there's also axle load limits, uh, which are sometimes a problem with this because um, with mm. the larger locomotives, um, it's hard to put much fuel and water aboard without requiring more axles um, uh, than, than a rigid frame can handle. So these have a rigid frame, and there's, a, there's limitations that go along with that. Right. Um, there's also a uh, – and this is the last one – there's also a limit of the boiler diameter, um, now you know when they've got all these different ty- uh, tank varieties. Sure. Uh, you have to have a smaller boiler because you're either going to put tanks on the side of it, above it, below it, Great somewhere point. around them, so that the boiler can't be as large as some of the the older steam engines that we've seen. They're mm. just you know these enormous, enormous tanks mm. um, because of the the fuel and the water are being housed elsewhere, not right on top of that. Yes. Um, so yeah. there's a, a little design size restriction there. And uh, and that's the last disadvantage I have really. The, then we move on
3: to the pros. Okay. Uh I'll do I'll do one pro uh that there is a there's a versatility there mm-hmm. that a lot of other things don't have. You know, on a yard we need to remember that these these vehicles spend or these engines spend uh, a lot of their time in backwards as well as forward motion. Sure and uh in in this position then that shorter length is a, an advantage
2: yeah and not only that did you know that uh um, tank engines can run at full speed in either direction which is something that a standard steam engine cannot do because they've got the tender back there and yeah. uh and i i don't know if that's exactly the only reason. I think that the the tender is one of the uh, one of the reasons one because you have to you have to push the tender, I guess, mm-hmm. if you're running in reverse um, and at higher speeds, so they can become unstable if they're at high speeds. Mm-hmm. Um, now, if they're pulling it, that's not a problem. But a tank engine has does not have that issue, so it can go full speed forwards, full speed reverse. Um, another one is that. Um, well, of course, we mentioned that the fuel and water, they add to adhesive weight, but that's also a con in that, you know, it, remember we it, we said mm-hmm. that it varies. Yeah. Uh, so that can go away as well. Uh, but it does initially put more weight on the driving wheels when it's fully loaded. So uh, there are times when a tank engine is mm-hmm. better off than a, a conventional steam engine in that case.
3: And I've got an advantage here. What's that? Uh, they are also uh, durable. Okay. Uh, some tank engines are still running in parts of, uh, Europe. So oh, they're like, they're very good. Yeah. So, uh, so the design holds up. Right. And this also, um, this is not a point that is exclusive to take engines. Mm-hmm. As we know, if they're well-maintained locomotives, uh, can have a lot of staying power oh sure they're made of
2: very very thick gauge steel and mm. uh they, they're going to last a long long time as long as the maintenance is there yeah um but that's that's very critical and that has to be from day one
3: right <laughs> yeah it has and, to be the uh, whole time
2: exactly so we're talking you know something a hundred years ago you don't know how it was maintained versus it is now so yeah um hopefully hopefully there are a lot of them around i mean i think they're kind of a cool thing uh they're very compact that's another advantage really um in that they're shorter than the equivalent um uh, tender locomotive mm-hmm. um you know the other thing is that you know of course they're they're very small very efficient I guess is the last one really yeah um that you know a lot of the the uh, the tank designs are you know well they're in contact with and heated by the boiler like we mentioned so that the uh, you know that they're very efficient in the way that you know the the, the, water that normally would come in cool to a steam engine is, is already preheated in that, you know, it's, it's, it reaches its boiling point faster than the colder water that would come from a tender wood. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, this efficiency that we talked about, um, or rather the, uh, the heating that we talked about yeah. earlier lends to efficiency. So yes. a very, very efficient design. I think that, you know, that these tank engines have a lot going for them, really. Mm-hmm. Oh,
3: and before we close, I have one more thing. Okay. One more thing. Scott, did you know that the origin of the tank engine is uncertain? I did not know that. You would think that
2: you could point to a specific person, a single person or a single vehicle that would be the first, right?
3: Well, remember earlier in the this episode where I said one of the first, one of the first in England or in Britain, uh, that was working by, you know, I really, sure. really draped some qualifications on that. You're pretty vague about it. I was, <laughs> I'm a sketchy dude when yeah. it comes to tank <laughs> engines. And other things. Um, <clears throat> mainly <laughs> tank <laughs> engines. <laughs> uh, so, so there's a great book called A Century of Locomotive Building uh, that has a reference uh, to a, a reference to some, uh, some ideas about tank engines. Mm-hmm. Um, a guy named John B. Jervis, uh, chief engineer, Delaware and Hudson Canal Company, um, wrote a letter in 1828, uh, saying that it would be, I quote, desirable to dispense with the tender carriage to have a water tank fixed to the engine. But it's not exactly known when that idea came to, came, came to pass. It's not proven. So, it's really difficult, you know. As we know, there's another there's another show at How Stuff Works called uh, Stuff of Genius, and I've written for that show before. And one of the things that we find there is that invention is more often than not uh, a story of different people standing on different people's shoulders. Some things get invented concurrently in different parts of the world by people who never spoke to each other, but um, very rarely is uh, an invention made out of whole cloth by one person. Hmm. So I don't know if we can say that um, this chief engineer, Jervis, uh, ha- even had the original idea, but it, he had one of the documented cases that makes it in writing. So the origin of the tank engine, for now... Must remain
2: mysterious, you know what? I thought you were going to surprise me with something here. I thought you were going to go all the way back to our good pal Leonardo da Vinci <laughs> because uh, you know as we know, he invented everything else in the world, right he probably so, he probably did the first podcast too, yeah, he probably did yeah <laughs> he probably has, and we'll find it later but uh, i thought I thought for some reason you were going to shock me with that, but uh, but this is just as good. I mean that you know it's this vague beginning, and uh, I mean I'm sure there's a patent out there for each of these designs. But right. uh, but actually the design of the thing and, and the actual implementation was yeah. prior to that even. Mm-hmm. And, so uh, interesting.
3: It would be, be interesting. We'd like to hear more about it if anybody is a uh, train historian or uh, if you've listened to our earlier podcast on circus trains and you like to think of yourself as a bit of a pharaoh equinologist, uh, then go ahead and... And drop Scott and I a line. You can find us on the internet. We're on Facebook at CarStuffHSW. Um we're on Twitter too, mm-hmm. right? And sure. we had some great uh, Twitter comments recently. And we're also, uh, able to be reached by email. If you want to just send us an email with suggestions for upcoming topics, haikus, funny references, anecdotes, well, we're up for it. Uh, drop us a line at CarStuff at Discovery.com.
1: more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. Let us know what you think. Send an email to podcast at HowStuffWorks.com.
0: For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger.